This is Framed, a podcast where a group of friends get together once a week to talk about movies, what we liked about them, what we didn't like, and how they're made. I'm Elliot. I'm Robert. And I'm Brennan. On this week's episode of Framed, we take a look at Searching, a mystery thriller film that's told entirely through computer screens. So, um, Searching is a uh, is a film that came out in 2018. It was directed by uh, Anish Chiganti. I'm sorry if I'm mangling the name. Um, it was uh, filmed on a budget of 880,000, and it made um, 75 million against that budget. So, I would say that it uh, recouped its budget there. Um, it received generally positive reviews. Uh, some of the reviews uh, that came out at the time said, um, a true storytelling feat married with sharp editing that makes the entire effort not only seamless, but also wholly intuitive. That was Kate Erbland of IndieWire. Um, Screen Rant's Chris Agar said, even if searching didn't make effective use of its technology angle, the core story would still work due to Chiganti's script, which packs an emotional punch from its first moments and never holds back. And Peter Travers of Rolling Stone gave the film four out of five stars, writing director Anish Chiganti in an exceptional feature debut does the impossible, building a high voltage white knuckle thriller told almost exclusively through smartphones, laptop screens, browser windows and surveillance footage. Searching is a technical marvel with a beating heart at its core, which makes all the difference. So um, I certainly have uh, lots of thoughts on this movie. This was my pick for for thrillers month. Um, but, uh, I want to hear what you guys, uh, thought of this film first. Um, so, uh, Brennan, do you want to kick things off? Uh, sure. So I went into this, never heard hearing of this before. Um, I went into it. I didn't even look up. I knew the basis I knew was a girl potentially got kidnapped. I didn't know the film, the way it was filmed. I didn't know any of that going into it but i kind of i kind of really liked it to be honest i was i used to not be into this sort of filming style Mm -hmm. um i do not like watch i used to not like watching documentaries that sort of stuff that's kind of how this is set up in Mm -hmm. a way as a documentary style um and though i kind of had a feeling on where it was going i there were still times in it where i was like maybe i'm wrong mm-hmm. i could be wrong i but it, i loved it i don't have much negative to say about it robert what about you there are some movies that just remind you why we love movies and this is one of them um the fact that this was a first feature right like first time out is just incredible it's such a tight film uh the first seven minutes which is the intro that gets us uh through uh margot growing up and the mom's death uh easily could stand on its own and it does such a beautiful job of uh just inviting you into this world Mm -hmm. um and introducing you to how we are are going to experience this 
And when you consider that the majority of this film is one actor playing off of themselves, mm-hmm. you know, there there are phone calls, there are other things, but most of the time it's uh, John Chu doing just being brilliant as he usually is. Um, it, it could not be better. This mm-hmm. film like just nails every aspect. Um, and especially as a first feature, it's so impressive. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. I, I'm surprised with that budget. I wasn't expecting it to be that much of a budget for this. It, I don't, it didn't even seem like, I mean, to an extent, it seemed like something we could financially do absolutely ourselves. Yep. But it was just executed. I just... So a lot of that budget is going to be going to the talent. Yeah, um, that's because, true. That, that... Yeah. A lot of it is shot um, on uh, GoPros. Uh, the director's iPhone is uh, uh, David Kim's iPhone in this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, as far as technology wise, yes, this is a very accessible uh, film, but you got to remember that uh, talented, yeah. talented people deserve to, you know, be paid yeah. for their talents. So, Definitely. Uh, you know, you have two fairly established actors um, headlining this, and then mm-hmm. uh, it they worked in post for two years on this. They edited I could see it that. for two years. Yeah, uh, it's so tight in the edit, uh, yeah. but there's well, a reason. They... Yeah, I, I want to talk about that a little bit later on uh, with yeah. regards to how some of the shots were, were set up and just the amount of groundwork that would have to go into just setting up a simple shot in this film. Um, yeah. But yeah, as, as far as my take on this, I'm, I'm pretty much exactly with you, Robert. Um, this was my third time watching this film, and I, I sort of went into it trying to find flaws with it, trying to find things to not like about it. And I pretty much came back empty handed. Like to me, this is a perfect film. If you're listening to this and you have not seen this, uh, stop listening, turn this off immediately, go watch the movie. Don't listen to us. Talk about it. You have to experience this movie for the first time. hundred percent seeing it. Um, yeah, I, I legitimately can't think of anything I would change about this. This is like, the edit is pretty much perfect. The performances are amazing. John, is it Chu or Cho? You say his last name. According to random YouTube video that I just pulled up, it's John Cho. Cho, okay. Um, brilliant performance. Like you said, he's just mainly playing off himself for most of the movie, but it's such a nuanced, heartbreaking performance, um, which is something to marvel at when it's it's just holding on him for almost the entire film um yeah score was perfect like just just the right amount not too much not too little um yeah just i yeah there's like one tiny chink in this that i want to bring up like towards the end of the discussion um when we get to the uh the unraveling of the of the mystery but yeah like for all intents and purposes i i think this is a a perfect film like there's not a single thing i would change yeah so uh let's just start going through the plot scene by scene and uh, we can stop anywhere you guys want and and talk about it as we as we go through this so um as robert already alluded to um this film opens with uh, a bit of a montage uh to introduce us to the the kim family 
Um, it's David, uh, Pam, and their daughter, Margot. And we're, uh, the montage takes place over the course of Margot growing up. Um, the first shot of the film is actually a, uh, their, their Windows XP computer booting up, and we see them uh, creating accounts on the computer, and we, we sort of step through time seeing them uh, put photos on the computer, record themselves with videos. Um, we see Margot's piano recitals as she grows up. We see her get introduced to Pokemon. Um, and, uh, over the course of this montage, we also learned that, uh, Pam has lymphoma and starts getting treatment for that. They start trying to fight back against it as a family. Um, but as Margot enters high school, uh, Pam ultimately passes away. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, this montage is, is right up there with, uh, with Pixar's Up in terms of up. movies yeah. that just bring me to tears with with just a few minutes of, of story told. When you think about it, the importance of this for seven minutes is so huge because mm -hmm. it's, it's convincing you that this is a movie. Like we're, we're not doing the normal cinematic language, but it's going to work. You're going to have an emotional connection to these yeah. characters. You're going to be there. Yeah. And I, I don't think the film works if you start it after this montage mm -hmm. like i think you need this to kind of win the audience over and be like hey you're in good hands yeah buckle up so actually the um the director um anish chiganti um was not sold on this premise at first um he didn't mm. think that the the concept of doing a computer screen film as a feature he didn't he thought it would feel too gimmicky um yeah and didn't it, he do a short film in this vein first yeah i believe that it started as a concept short and then i think the distributor was um asking him if he was interested in developing it into a feature yeah. and um i believe that it was this opening montage once they sat down and, and worked this out that convinced them that hey this could actually work as a feature yeah that makes sense yeah brennan what about you i really have nothing more to add i mean you guys basically said what I was thinking for that beginning montage. I mean, like Robert said with the, or I, I kind of, in a way, so there is one thing I'll add. I, in a way I disagree with what Robert said, but not in a negative aspect at the same time. I feel like it could have been a movie without this opening scene. Mm. It just wouldn't have been as good. I feel like, yeah, there's some, I mean, they talk about the mom with the cancer and everything as the story goes through. So I think it could stand alone without it, but oh, it wouldn't be near, I, I wouldn't advise to take that out by <laughs> any means. Sure. Yeah, I, I think, Robert, you hit the nail on the head, like what this scene is, what the purpose of the scene is in the story. And it's it's introducing you to the family, but it's also getting you comfortable with the cinematic language of this movie of the fact that we're, you know, seeing this family through, you know, their computer screens and not, not as a, as a traditional film. Um, yeah. Can we talk about the cinematic language a little bit? Because like found footage is not a new genre. Like uh, that has been around long before searching. Yeah. So um, actually, interestingly, I looked it up 
And uh, Wikipedia actually does not classify this movie as found footage. It's there's a separate subgenre of film called computer screen films, um, which I was looking through the list and I didn't recognize any of the other ones apart from searching and um, unfriended, I guess, is the only mm. other one I've heard of. Um, but uh, yeah, there, it's a whole separate subgenre from from found footage. And I mean, it kind of makes sense to me because the conceit of found footage is that there was some, you know, apocalyptic or paranormal event that took place. And the only thing that survived was somebody who happened to be filming it. And this doesn't really have that frame story around it. It It's just chooses sure. to tell the story using computer screens and phone screens. Yeah. Um, the idea to add cinematic pushes and zooms mm. and pans while staying within the computer screen. Um, I think it worked for all of us. I don't think anyone has uh, anything negative to say about that. But what uh, did it take any time? Maybe Brennan is the best to answer since this was your, your first time viewing. Did it take you a little bit to like get used to that idea? Or did it just feel natural and like every other movie scene right off the bat uh it took me a little bit i mean at first i mean not like half the movie a little bit it just took me like the first i mean because you've got i mean it's a webcam i mean some yes yeah, some webcams have some zoom and whatnot but as a whole when you're doing that sort of stuff you're not zooming in and out you're just it's just video footage yeah um and coming from the fact that uh, I used to not be a big, like I said, documentary type person, and that's kind of what this is, um, it did throw me off at first. But, I mean, it wasn't but a couple minutes, and I was like, I think it's because it was, it was just done so smooth. It just, it worked. It was, yeah. it was good. Any thoughts about the uh, camera movement, Elliot? Um, no, I, I, uh, I thought that it was, was perfectly done, like completely natural of the, um, moving around on the screen and zooming in and out on things. Like I, it didn't, uh, I, I'm having trouble remembering if it bothered me when I went to see this in theaters, uh, back in 2018. Right. But, um, yeah, on this viewing, it didn't, didn't bother me at all. Um, in fact, one of my favorite shots in this is, the first one after the montage where it is just, it's just pure white and the, the blinking cursor takes up the whole left side of the screen. Um, yeah, I thought that was a great way to open it. Like right after that, that first montage. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I thought it all, uh, it all worked pretty I well. I think a testament to the, the narrative nature of this and the actual storytelling happening, uh, is like, one of my favorite shots in it is at the very end um, at the memorial service. Mm -hmm. uh, we zoom in on the person being arrested. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's out of focus. It's pixely. Like mm -hmm. you can't make out what's happening, but you feel that like you still feel the performance and in anything else, like we, we'd be like, you can't use that. It's pixelized. Like, why are you zooming in? Like what is happening? Right. But it just works in this case. Uh, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
that actually kind of leads me into another question I wanted to ask you guys, which is if you just took the screenplay by itself and removed the computer screen aspect of this, do you think that it would still be as effective as a thriller? I think that's a great question. I think the concept definitely could work. I think you might have to introduce more scenes between the brother and mm. him because it's a lot easier to be inside of, uh, is it David is the main character? Yeah. 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 Uh, inside of David's mind when you're watching him be on a computer, mm -hmm. uh, if, if you weren't inside of that computer to see like his thought process, what he's looking at, where he's going around, I think you would need more dialogue. You would need more people to talk through problems with. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think the story would have to change if yeah. you weren't using this tool to tell it. Right. Um, There's a lot of exposition that's handled through text messages and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like with um, when he was piecing together uh, there at the end with the person who confessed agree he's piecing that to the fact that it wasn't actually him like yeah him putting the pictures next to each other and finding all that out and the effect of who that fake account actually wasn't and all that i don't think that would have worked either without it would have had to been tweaked pretty heavily there too yeah i think two things are like a good a good tell of whether or not a thriller is successful. One is, does it hold up to rewatching? Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to, you know, keep your audience in suspense one time, mm -hmm. but a good thriller, in my opinion, you can come back and be all like, Oh, there's the thing that I didn't notice. You didn't cheat. You mm -hmm. gave me all the information. It was right there. Yep. Uh, and this film is so good about that. It's yeah. just, just, so clean as you're going through it's giving you all the pieces you need yeah one um, of my favorites in that regard is i think it's um i think it's in this first scene actually like he he browses through a website where there's a news article about a hiker that survived in the mountains for nine days yep it's like yep. it's so great it, sure it, just, it tells you right off the bat yep. what the end of the movie is and you don't even realize it it's it's yeah. such a cheeky move but i love it um, definitely didn't notice it my first time viewing, but, yeah. uh, I think this was my third time watching it as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, and every time I've watched it, I've picked out, you know, another little detail of like, oh, 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 it's, it's right there. Yeah. We, yep. we all see it. It Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's really good in that regard. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. So getting back to the, uh, this first scene here. Um, so we, we're, uh, sort of reintroduced to, um, David and Margot, and uh, we see that their relationship has strained uh, since since her mother's death. Um, uh, David is uh, sort of haranguing her about forgetting to take out the trash, and they're still, you know, doing okay, but you get the sense that there's some tension between them now. And Margot informs David that she's going to be staying late at a, at a study session that may go all night, and so um, he doesn't see her. For the next uh for that night and she doesn't return the next morning 
Um, he starts trying to reach her um, over text. Um, she's not responding to anything. He gets uh, more and more panicked as the as the day goes on. Um, and actually, uh, if I could pause again, um, one uh, going back to the uh, the storytelling aspect of this and how it uses, you know, how how you'd have to change stuff, I guess, to get ideas across. Um, the the way that we see his like ha- half typed out texts that he backspaces, it's like that's such a a um, relatable experience that we've all had of getting ready to text something to somebody and then you have a second thought and and erase it. It's like mm-hmm. that's some like I don't know if it would have as cleanly fit in. Like if you had shot this traditionally, I don't know that you could have conveyed that as cleanly. But that's no such way. a relatable oh, yeah. thing that I think we've all and been through. It sets up my favorite moment of character development of he he wants to say, I'm proud of you and your mother would be too. Yep. And he yeah. doesn't. Yeah. And then at, at the end, he, he types out and your mother would be too. Yep. And like that, that doesn't hit if you don't show us where he is at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I completely completely agree it's just such a great example of working with the constraints of your film instead of against um and being that we are inside the computers basically we get to see this you know bit of character that would be very hard to portray in a traditional yeah uh, film yeah absolutely so he's he's at work and he's on the the cusp of of uh, calling the police and uh, he's reminded that there was a camping trip that um, some of Margot's friends were going on and so he thinks oh well so she went to the the camping trip and I think technically he's reminded that it's Friday and that's piano lesson day at this point oh yeah you're right yeah about the camping trip. That's right. Yeah, he he goes to the the piano lesson thing first, um, and uh, is this where he finds out that she's been skipping, or is, does that come after? He he finds out that she hasn't been taking lessons for the last six months. That's right. Yeah, and he sends her that that wall of text, or he's he's about to send her this long rant, and then he he backspaces out of it. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he thinks she's gone on a on a camping trip in the mountains, and they don't have any cell reception reception yep so he lets it go another night and then he finds out the next morning that Margot never went on the camping trip he realizes that something is terribly wrong and calls the police so at this point in the story we're introduced to the detective who's uh, assigned to the case um her name is uh, rosemary vick um played by uh, deborah messing uh what did we think of her character um, I think that, uh, Detective Vic is probably, like, the most, I don't want to say gimmicky, but, like, the, I think that every film is kind of allowed, like, one, this is convenient, and if it wasn't convenient, we wouldn't have a story, so just accept that it's convenient. Um, <laughs> I think to an extent you're going to get that in everything. Yeah. Like why, why is Peter Parker the one that's bit by the spider when he goes in? Well, because yeah. if he wasn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be have a story. Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. Um, 
so the fact that she's like, hmm, you're going to start doing an investigation at home and, and mm. do all of that is a bit of an ask. Um, obviously, I have never been a detective. I've never been a parent working with a detective. But from every other portrayal of detectives, you know, it's very much like, hey, tell us what you know, and then let us do our own thing, not you should contact everyone that's ever gone to school with her and mm -hmm. make a spreadsheet and share it with me. Um, yeah, that did seem a bit unusual. Out, yeah, we find out later that there's a reason that she's trying to do uh, this investigation a little off the books, uh, which does justify it, but it's... If, if it was done in a worse way, I think it would completely throw your audience at that moment um her character is the biggest ask whereas i feel mm -hmm. like uh david uh the his brother all the other characters feel very grounded mm -hmm. um i think the detective not the performance of the detective which i think is just brilliant i think the actual written part of the detective is the most like mm, we're gonna allow this because it's a, a great film and if we don't allow it we don't have that film mm -hmm. but like she's planting evidence as she goes she's doing all of these things that when you stop and think about it like surely there is some level of checks and balances within this department <laughs> like she shouldn't be able to just print out a fake id and be all like yep she totally had a fake id look guys um yeah so i think the character of the detective is probably the weakest part of this script. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that it is portrayed so well that you just accept it, especially on your first viewing. You're like, yeah, she's a detective. This is great. Cool. Yeah. I think the, the thing you brought up about assigning David, his homework of, of making a spreadsheet of all of Margot's friends, like it did, it does strike you as a bit unusual. Like, you know, what other detective movie have we seen? somebody do this in it's it just seems like oh well we need to have david do something while the investigation is going on so let's have him do this but but it it, it kind of makes sense in the context of her whole goal here is to keep him misdirected away from yeah. what actually happened and so yeah i you know maybe that that was part of her her plan of keeping him busy was to just have him do all these interviews with friends knowing that none of it would go anywhere. Um, right. I think the bigger thing that, that did bug me, but I, like ultimately I was able to accept it under the, the guise of if we don't have this, then we don't have a story is the mm. fact that it's her son that is responsible for what happens to Margot. And she just happens to be conveniently placed to take over this investigation on her own. Um, yeah is a bit of a that, a stretch the on her own i think is the the biggest issue like uh and i i don't know if that was a needed choice uh, mm -hmm. like obviously the film succeeded and they do not need to take notes from the peanut gallery here but <laughs> right i i think it could have been interesting if she was partnered with someone and she was also trying to you know walk that tightrope of like okay here's someone that doesn't know what's happened that i need to look like i'm doing all the normal policey stuff too 
while still misdirecting the father. Yeah, right. What I finally came back to with all these like little nitpicks, like I, I did think quite a bit about each of these things that I'm bringing up now. And what I came to is like, I don't know what I would have changed to make it better. Like, I yeah. think that I, I stand by what I said earlier. I think this is a perfect film, even in its, you know, sort of, you know, movie like story conveniences that isn't are you know, are not a hundred percent accurate to real life. It's like, I yeah. would, wouldn't move any of the pieces around because it's, it's such a perfect film, the way the story is told. And I think if you change anything, you, you lose something else that makes this film I special. that emotion is more important than logic when it comes to art. And yeah. Like they nail the emotion. Like mm-hmm. it, even if like you sit down and I think anything, if you dig deep enough, you can start poking holes. Um, like I adore the Harry Potter series. Um, I read through all seven books two to three times a year. Um, You might even say I'm obsessed with them. Having read through them that many times, there's so many things that I point at and like, nope, that that doesn't doesn't track, doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter because they're still phenomenal stories. And I would put this in the exact same camp of like, even if there are things that like, yeah, that wouldn't actually work that way. I don't care as an audience member. Yeah. Like, I'm completely strapped in for this ride. Yeah, yeah. That That's kind of where I'm at, too. And I think I'll actually go ahead and bring up my my one chink that I, I mentioned earlier um, and yeah. see here what you guys have to say about it since we're kind of in this part of the story anyway. But um, do you feel like you could solve this on your own before the final reveal at the end? Because you were saying earlier, Robert, that they do, they show you everything and they, they, they drop hints along the way of what's, what's really going on. But at the same time, I feel like so much of this plot hinges on the fact that she is feeding David false information and, and, and red herrings and things that don't add up. Like, Mm. do you, do you feel like that this is solvable? Like before you get to the end? It it is i think i like any time that there is a questionable like thing like uh hannah the fish and chips character Mm -hmm. um she is the only one that verifies that there's an issue there and it's like yep nothing's here um we are given um, and I honestly would not be surprised uh, if you go back and watch it again, looking just for Hannah uh, picture popping up somewhere mm. uh, on the screen as like an ad or something. I would not be surprised if it's there Yeah, because they are really methodical about giving you the little, little pieces as we go. They set up the weed early on the, yeah they, they set up the uh the guy and standing behind detective vic and that yep shot see yeah. that when we first meet detective vic um they introduce us to uh the concept of hikers surviving out in the rain mm-hmm. uh they introduce us to um the fact that robert uh detective vic's son uh 
has manipulated people in the past. Yeah. Um, and that she is willing to cover for him when that happens. Mm. Um, they, I really do think that they give you all the pieces. I, yeah. I don't think they cheat in this. I really, I, I think it's all there. Yeah. If you were very observant and very good. Like she, she gives a very like, do 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 explanation for why they're not searching the area where the body is um and the first time i watched it i was just like yeah okay they've eliminated this area because it's treacherous mm -hmm. wait a second if it's treacherous shouldn't that be the first place we look <laughs> like why have we yeah. eliminated that yeah. but like the first time i was just like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yep that's what we do so i i really do think that they do a really nice job of of playing fair with this i think yeah. you have to be incredible to like piece it together um yeah yourself before the reveal but i do think all the pieces are there yeah there's such a, a deluge of information in this film also like you know facebook pages flying across the screen and like we're, mm -hmm. we're watching you know chats go by on streaming sites and it's like there's just so much information but yes i i agree that it's it's pretty much you know, all there, even if it's, you know, you're, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, an Easter egg hunt, um, with all, where, where all the, the clues are, are placed. I think the other thing yeah. that, that if you're paying really close attention, um, you, you could potentially figure this out before, before the reveal is, um, when David goes to the spot on his own and finds, uh, Margot's Pokemon keychain, um, and he calls Detective Vic, like she's acting yes. guilty. Yeah. She's but she's acting guilty you, as sin there. But and, did you catch that she says, Are you at the lake? And he has not said yeah. that he's gone to the lake. Oh uh, yes. I didn't actually catch that. I didn't catch it until like my second viewing, but mm. it, she says, Are you at the lake? And he does not say anything about a lake mm. so again i yeah. really do think they give you everything yeah yeah okay yeah i'm you've convinced me <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've now bumped this up to 10 out of 10 in my mind <laughs> there we go my work here is done yeah thanks for tuning in to frame <laughs> um yeah so um i don't know if we have time to to go through the whole rest of this scene by scene so i'll i'll try to just jump around to the the big set piece scenes. Um, we, so yeah, D David is assigned to, to investigate all of Margo's, uh, Facebook friends. And he, he calls a lot of people and tries to, uh, figure out if anybody had any connections to Margo. Uh, meanwhile, uh, detective Vic presents him with some, uh, some street cam footage of, uh, Margo's car going off, um, out of town. And she tries to convince him that, uh, Margo ran away. Um, we, David is not convinced and he continues digging into Margot's, uh, social life and he finds okay, that Okay, real quick. Yeah. On the, on the car scene, um, mm -hmm. that was one thing that did stand out to me that I had a feeling from there that she was abducted because mm -hmm. I did notice the car that followed her. I notice it pull out and go basically the same direction. I was like, 
that's gonna have something that was a, <laughs> a big thing where i was like she didn't she didn't just run away something happened yeah where are we going from here and it's yeah it's it's funny because it's it's again it's another great example of misdirection where they're they're showing you everything like robert's car is right there but you don't see it because you're watching Margot's car right and even though I've, this was my third time seeing it i forgot to to watch for the car following her for the car. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I think, I think that's another example of like, it, it wouldn't be up to the detective to go through all the traffic footage. Like other people would have done that. And theoretically someone would have been all like, Hey, uh, this car that's behind her at the gas station is also behind her at the road. Let's run its plates and figure out who it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but again like you're only thinking about that after the fact once you've experienced the movie you're not thinking about that in the moment Mm -hmm. yeah yep absolutely so eventually um through through photos that that david finds on margo's tumblr page um he he figures out that she has been visiting this lake that's out of town and it lines up with where the, the traffic cam footage says that her, her car went. So he assumed that she went back to that spot. He goes there and finds her, her keychain on the ground, calls detective Vic. They, she comes out and they, they dredge up Margot's car from the, from the bottom of the lake. She's not inside. Um, but the, the piano lessons money was still inside the car, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. That yeah. was something I felt weird. How, when they pulled that money out, this was one nitpick thing I had. When they pulled the money out, because, I mean, it's been underwater for how many days now? A couple? Three. Yeah, yeah. around four, probably, I think. Yeah. That, Three or four. Yeah. Like I said, very, very nitpickiness. <laughs> that money would have been a whole lot more wet, and it, like, the envelope that they had in their hand of the money looked way too pristine um i don't i feel know like if you're familiar enough with honda cords but their glove boxes <laughs> are actually 100 percent waterproof <laughs> Brennan, so... <laughs> that was that was my little nitpickiness for this film I pulled the money out. (laughs) I have a question about not this scene but this setting at least yeah um for you guys because maybe i just missed it is it explained why margo goes to the lake like does fish and chips does hannah uh say hey i'm in town and we should meet up like um i'm pretty sure no so yeah go ahead brennan i think it was i'm pretty sure it was just random i think she was just going up there to get high and he decided to follow her because it talked about later because later on it talks about how he, okay. he, he kind of scared her because they, they end up having their yeah. altercation and she, she's like, what's going on? And OK, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you're right. They do mention that he just follows her. So, yeah, she's just going up there because that's her spot to go to. That makes yeah. sense. OK, I was thinking that he had orchestrated it to meet her there because see that's that's uh, what I thought. That's what I thought at first. I was like, like pre. I mean, the ending of it, I was thinking, oh, they're. This person got her here to do something, but no, they right. actually talked about it there towards the end where he just followed her. She yeah. was just going there to 
Finn time there like she always does. Yeah, I think okay. if I'm um, if I'm remembering the order of events correctly, um, Margot is wiring him the money at this point, and he realizes that he needs to come clean about his fish and chips story. Yep, and that's yep. why he goes to the lake. Um, right with her i don't think that it was that he lured her out there or or that they had arranged to meet or anything like that yeah okay um yeah so they they start this um this big search of the woods looking for margo's body um there's a big rainstorm that delays the search for a day um and meanwhile this has become like a big news story everybody's talking about it on social media um what did we think about the um this was something that jumped out to me when i saw this the first time i'd be curious to hear what you guys think of it the the social media angle of this mm. and and just kind of reflecting on how how um people kind of run away with with stories once they get on youtube and facebook and and twitter it kind of i mean this happens like you see it happen when things like this happen, mm-hmm. but it bugs me and it doesn't. You, I mean, the fact that they added this to it, like the girl who she was studying with just to yes. get an A in that class. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, she's my best friend mm-hmm. and faking this cry and all this. Stuff. Yeah, that made me so uh, mad the first time I saw it. It's this. just <laughs> yeah, it's just it eats at me. Yeah, it eats and eats at me seeing this. And I see i see posts all the time of um one in particular it's like if you want to spend time with me and talk like we're friends when i die why aren't we doing it now kind of aspect it's just like all of those people pretending like they were her best friends but in all reality she had no friends no one wanted to be around her they were walking on eggshells she had one friend uh david's brother (laughs) well Uh, yeah which let me tell you i love this film that sequence when you are led to believe that it was the brother yeah oh it's such a good sequence that was that was the one time that was that one aspect where i was like oh i think i have this all wrong i was like uh (laughs) But maybe it's not who I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I was like, like, I'm questioning everything from that point back. I'm like, uh, um, oh, <laughs> this is where this is going. Uh-huh. It, just got, it just got so intense. I just, yeah. I mean, as much as it was, I just wanted to reach through the screen and just strangle this guy. <laughs> it was done so nice. I, yeah. I mean, I've. I hate to say this because, I mean, that is a very awful subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it no, was done so well. I loved it. I loved that part. Like, this is, I, there's times where it's too much, but yeah. that was, I don't know. I, it, I enjoyed it. I think it, it threw it threw me off my scent. I think this is another good example of, of how the, the medium that the story is told through helps rather than hurts it. Because when he's going through the messages between Margot and, and Peter and like we see like in vague terms what they're talking about. Like it turns out that they're just getting away to smoke weed together. But, you know, it looks like there's something worse going on. Like yeah. there's not a single line of exposition 
to make you to lead you down that path. Like you're totally there just right. reading the text conversation. Um, and yeah, you, you, you immediately know what David is thinking and, and, uh, yeah, it just, it seamlessly goes into that next scene where he sets up all the, the cameras around Peter's apartment to, to try to catch his conve- his confession. And yeah, I, I agree with, with what you said, Brennan, that this is just like, you know, you you see this the first time and you think you had it all wrong. And it's like, while this scene is unfolding, he's getting missed calls from the detective and you're just like, your head is exploding because you can't, you can't take the tension. Well, yeah, they do this great like reversal of like, you're like, oh my gosh, it was the brother. It was the brother. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And yeah. then boom, as soon as you're like, oh, it's not the brother. Oh, they have someone else. He's going to kill his brother. He's going to do something to his brother <laughs> yeah. that it is. And like, Ooh. look at your phone. Look at your phone. Like, oh, it's so well done. So good. So well done. Yeah, I think this might be it. This this movie has so many good scenes in it, but this is definitely at the top of the list for me. Oh, it's my favorite for sure. Yeah. 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 Do you think they did it all in one take? No, so what they uh, what they do, uh, you can look up the filmmakers talking about it. Is they take the the median into uh, account, and uh, they'll have slight like time glitches of like mm. buffering, and they always hide cuts there. So uh. if you look for that, you'll see like someone cuts. be here and then suddenly jump over here well that's that's a cut there mm. when they do that that's really um, clever like i didn't even think yeah. about that while i was watching it's, it because we're so accustomed to see so those, well those buffer glitches because it fits it's right there but yeah. yes they're they're cutting when you see that happening yeah um yeah the yeah it's just a brilliant scene um <clears throat> so uh detective vic calls david and and tells him hey we found margot's killer uh this uh, uh purported sex offender and i'm i'm forgetting what the character's name was but he he's shown this confession video where he he confesses to to killing margot um david is beside himself with grief he thinks that it's all over now so he arranges for this this vigil for Margot using an online memorial service um, that is like they'll they'll stream the uh, the video of the memorial rather conveniently for the 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 you know the subject of this of this film um, yeah but uh, anyway as just as he's closing the the window for the memorial service we see um, the fish and chips girl uh, Hannah that has been chatting with. Uh, Margot on the on the video streaming site but now it looks as though she's just part of this ad in the background and suddenly things aren't adding up anymore and and David figures out that she was not the person that Margot was chatting with but instead is just a a stock photo model and um David calls her and and finds out that uh it, it's not even the same person that Detective Vic said that she interviewed Mm. Um, things start to unravel. He finds out that detective Vic assigned herself to the case and was not assigned it as, as she stated earlier. And he suddenly figures out why things haven't been adding up. And he goes to the vigil to confront, uh, detective Vic. Um, Robert, you already kind of alluded to this scene, uh, earlier. Did you, did you have any other 
thoughts on this, I, this culmination of the of the plot? I think there's different moments in this film that just highlight different aspects of the whole piece. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was one of the strongest performance pieces because yeah. there's no dialogue. You don't you don't hear anything but you feel exactly what David and Vic's mindset are. Yep. Like you are right there. Um, you can't really even see their faces through any of it, mm-hmm. but it's it all body language. So well, mm-hmm. it just very well done by those actors. Yeah. I really thought he was going to take her out. <laughs> I was until the cops came through the door. I was like, it's gonna go down right here in the middle of this <laughs> vigil and no one's gonna know what's going on and then the cops came out I was like oh there must have been more phone call stuff on the way there or something yeah because... thank goodness he called 911 <laughs> and i love the uh the cheeky cut that ends the scene where the buffer just gives out and we lose the the stream of the memorial yep. service yes. we're so sorry for the inconvenience yeah it's 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 great um <clears throat> so we're then treated to a um a security camera tape from within the interrogation room sometime later where detective mm-hmm. Vic gives her confession of everything that actually happened, um, to Margot uh, because of her son, Robert. Um, what did we think of the, the ending of this where, where we're told everything for me, I thought that it was a great choice to, uh, they they start out the interrogation with uh, your lawyer has been made aware that you signing this is, you know, a full confession for the crimes you were uh, can you were arrested for five days ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at this point, like, oh, Margot's been gone like over two weeks, like there's no hope. So even yes. as they're talking through and she's like, yeah, she's dead. She's totally dead. Yep, she was yep. dead. You know, you're like, Oh, she probably wasn't, but it's too late now. Oh, I'm so angry <laughs> about this. I hate it. Uh, and then they're like, and, and what did Mr. Kim do as he was driving away from the, uh, memorial with you? Uh, he, he made us turn the car around and it's just like, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's the cherry on top. I think yeah. they completely stuck, stuck the landing. With Absolutely. The fact that they keep you guessing all the way up until even after the scene ends, like didn't Margot mm-hmm. survive yeah. or not? It's like, yeah, you're on. I'm exactly with you, Robert. It's like at first you think, OK, Margot's definitely dead. There's no hope. You're listening to her talk and then you're like, wait, wait, maybe she's still alive. And then they, they're yep. like trying to find her in the ravine and it's like, but she might still be dead. And then they, you know, then they go on to the, the last little epilogue scene and you're just like, is she alive? Is she dead? <laughs> How are you doing this to me? Um, I remember the first time I watched this, most of the twists, they completely got on me. Like I was, I, mm. I wasn't wasn't on the same page i was the perfect audience member like they blindsided me each time yep but the she would have had to survive for five days without water i was like no there was rain she she didn't need to do that she didn't need that Uh, and and i had for i had forgotten about the rain at that point that was one thing that i was just like oh yeah it did rain i forgot about the rain the first time i saw it too 
No, I I didn't think there was hope because they had set up that it had been five days since the arrest at this point that the interrogation was happening. So I was even angrier, but I was like, no, there was rain. There was rain. <laughs> well, and also, I you uh, know, the interrogation is in the future at some point where, you know, we're jumping back and forth through time through this. Yeah. So, it, yeah, like I, I assume that Margot was like at the hospital recovering like while this interrogation while was that happening was happening yeah. yes yeah. correct yeah so yeah great yeah absolutely agree they they totally stuck the landing perfect ending um and then at the very end we're we're treated to a little epilogue where it loops back around to where we were at the beginning in a way but now we're on Margot's computer um and she's talking with David they're they're on much better terms now. She's waiting to hear if she got into uh, music school. Um, we we loop back around to what you mentioned earlier, Robert, where he says, "I'm I'm proud of you, and your mom would be too." Perfect tear jerking ending. Um, I've got nothing else to say. <laughs> this movie's per. I don't know how many times I can see keep saying this is perfect, but. It's it was just like there's absolutely nothing I would change about how this ended. Yeah. Beautiful. So final thoughts. It's perfect. <laughs> it's just one. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I got to go with a 10 out of 10 on this one. Um, wow. Is that your first 10? I think so. Yeah. My my previous high watermark was the new Blade Runner, which I think I gave a nine. Um, any on that episode, if you go back and listen to it, there were things that we found a nitpick and take apart and say, oh yeah, well they could have done this or done that. But with this, it's like, I, I legitimately, I mean, we kind of already addressed the things that bugged me and, um, you know, and even those were, were like microscopic. It's like, yeah, Yeah. I, I wouldn't change a single thing in this movie. It's, I think it's a perfect thriller and it's, it, it fits in perfectly with what you said, Robert, where a, a good thriller you can go back to even if you know yep. where all the twists and turns are and still be thrilled. And yep. and that was me watching it this most recent time. I was just like, I was still like, you know, totally went for the ride, even though I knew where, where everything, all the twists and turns were. And it was still such a fun movie to watch. And yes, I would absolutely take this on a desert island with me. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay. happily watch this Brandon. over and over. I think I agree. I, this is going to be my first 10 out of 10 too. It's been like, there's been movies where I've been excited to watch, but there is something different about this one. Like it, I've been talking about it to people like nonstop yeah. since I finished watching it. Like mm-hmm. all the people I know that like thrillers or maybe if they don't, I'm like, you need to watch this. Like yeah. it's, it's different, but it's, it's just, it got me excited. I want to get this movie. I'm planning on watching it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been really this excited after watching a movie like there's movies like i'll be excited to watch it but afterwards i'm like yeah i'm gonna watch this again but i don't really talk about it a whole lot more past that but this one i just i don't know it it, kind of made me giddy i loved it it's definitely a desert island film for me as well yeah uh what about you robert well I was going to be the curmudgeon and only give this a nine out of 10 um, for, you know, some artistic reason of like perfection is unattainable and we all have to continue to stride for it. 
but honestly, Brennan, you've convinced me. Uh, like, I think films are there to to get people excited to share the experience mm -hmm. that they have watching it with other people. And this film does such a great job at doing that. Like, whatever praise I can give the filmmakers, I feel like I need to. So, yeah, yeah 10 out of 10 from me as well. Um, Desert Island, I don't know uh, if if I have an unlimited supply of movies on my Desert Island. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but if if I was only allowed, you know, two or three films, I probably wouldn't go with this one uh, just because there are other films that are more mm. uh, emotionally important to me. Yeah, uh, because of, you know, where I was in life when I watched them or whatever. Uh, but uh, if if it's just a question of is this a film that I can return to again and again and not get bored with it, absolutely, 100%. yeah, percent, yeah. I All think right. I need to edit in some some sort of fanfare here for our, our first three way ten out of ten, <laughs> our first ten out of ten across the board. Yeah, that's that's definitely. Well, thank you so much for potting this week, guys. Um, this was a blast. Yeah. Next week is your pick, Brennan, which yep. is... Knives Out. All right. Yep. Another really solid uh, thriller. I'm excited to hear your guys' thoughts on that one. I'm excited to watch it. Yep, I'm, I'm it's been definitely... Off, it's been on my list. This will be part two of our, our journey through Ryan Johnson films. <laughs> okay. So uh, tune in next week uh, to listen to me try to convince Brennan that documentaries are amazing and that he needs to watch more of them. And for us to talk about uh, the thriller Knives Out. Sounds good. See you guys then. It's great as always. All right. Bye. Bye. Guys. Bye.